Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one two three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On today's Movie Talk, we are asking the question, Hawkeye cost how much to make? Then on top of that, we've got some really cool casting details for Robert Eggers' new movie. And then it's a done deal now. Lion King is not competing for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. Hello, everyone. How you doing? We've got a great show for you today with Jay Washington and Nikki Novak. We got so many stories to cover, and we're going to highlight them all right now in the call sheet. First up on the list today is that casting story because Robert Eggers, even though some of you out there have not seen The Lighthouse yet, it's coming your way. Keep an eye out for it. He's already working on his next project, though, and it is going to be a Viking revenge saga titled The Northman, and it's set in Iceland at the turn of the 10th century, and apparently Eggers is lining up quite the cast because he's got Nicole Kidman's in talks, as well as both Alexander and Bill Skarsgård. On top of that, he's got his The Witch star, Anya Taylor-Joy, and also the Lighthouse star Willem Dafoe, all in talks to join this project. Next up, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Science just revealed the 32 films submitted for consideration in the Best Animated Feature Oscar category, and Disney's The Lion King is not on the list. There was debate earlier on whether it's a live-action remake or if it's an animated film, but now it's a non-issue for the moment because uh, Disney opted not to submit The Lion King for for consideration in this category. Next up here, we've got a little something from Taika Waititi. During an interview on Jimmy Kimmel, he talked a bit about Thor, Love and Thunder, and confirmed that Korg is going to return. Here's what he said. I just finished a couple drafts of that story. There's more Thor. There's twice the Thor in Thor 4. Natalie Portman's coming back. She'll be playing a female version of Thor. It's from a comic run. There'll be two of them. My character is coming back, Korg. 
Yay. I like Korg. Next up here, another casting story. Another thing about The Matrix, which we've been covering a lot lately. According to Deadline, Iron Fist star Jessica Henwick is the latest to possibly board the film in an unknown but reportedly major role. And just to recap everything here, that means she could be joining Neil Patrick Harris, Jada Pinkett Smith, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II in the film. Finally here for the call sheet, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier WandaVision and Hawkeye cost as much as $25 million per episode, totaling $500 million. Disney is reportedly buying out the back end on all of their original productions, similar to Netflix's model. This means they'll offer creatives and possibly lead cast members more money up front in order to secure future earnings in perpetuity. We're going to discuss this quite a bit later in today's show. But first, a message from Ken. Check it out. Hello there. I'm Ken Napsok, one of the hosts of Collider Jedi Council, and I'd like to invite you to listen to our show, watch our show. It's on every Thursdays on the Collider video channel, and it's also available in podcast form if you'd like to listen to our sweet voices on Collider Jedi Council, me, Christian Harloff, and a bevy of guests, I say, talk Star Wars. We celebrate Star Wars. We dig into the Star Wars news. We speculate everything about Star Wars including your questions. So join us on Collider Jedi Council. You're going to have a great time. Hello, hello again. Now we get... To, are you okay? I have to introduce these panelists. No. We're all losing. Jay Washington, Nikki Novak. You're right? No, because right? I can't just hear a window pop over and watch a white guy go, oh, and as a black dude, it just terrifies the hell out of me. I didn't know what was happening. I went oh to my God. Starbucks. I was going to scream and you was going to think it was Nikki. This is just going to be terrible. I've had McDonald's coffee, so I'm jittery as it is. Right. Like, just Cody just made my whole nerves go bad right now. It's too early for this, Gene. It's gotta happen to wake you up. Yeah, we're awake now. What are you drinking right now? How many espresso shots are in that thing? I'd like to say this is a Starbucks triple shot with energy, and when you have a day like I gotta have after here, I got an audition, then I have to be at my job as a bouncer in a nightclub from 3 in the afternoon to 1.30 in the morning. (laughs) Guess what? You need all the energy you can get. I thought that said triple threat. I'm like, yes, he is. <laughs> sure like, he is. Nick, you keep flirting with me, baby. Wait, can I ask you a question? If I walked in and you were a bouncer, would you, like, get rid of that one? Yeah. I feel like bouncers can't stand me. No, I'd be like, no, I'd be like, I don't know. I'd be like, but I love her in the dough. Like, straight. Like, it's funny because working in a nightclub, you get to see people, you be like, oh my God, you got to go right now. Like, I've gotten rid of so many people just because it's like, you just irk my soul. I would and love I, to be able to be a bouncer just for that reason. People who irritated me, I could just be like, I'm See just ya. so tiny that I would be able to like slip right by and you wouldn't even notice. I me. wouldn't. I'm like, <laughs> she went somewhere that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Glad I'm getting into the club, but yeah, I'm, I'm too old for this. I can't go out tonight. Um, this is this is not going to carry me through the day like that. Well, we oh, all have long days ahead. Wonderful. Wow. Oh, I'm going to probably need another one. Listen. I'm nervous for you. I have to work at a nightclub in downtown Los Angeles. I need this or cocaine, one of the two, and I urge my nostrils too much for cocaine. Can you just, can you put like a hidden camera just so I can see what goes on? Can you do that? (laughs) If I can, yeah. If I can, I will. I would love to see that. that, They would never know. They would Why don't you lose your job or like have a club. lawsuit or anything? They but you know, all right. Well, we'll report back on this situation <laughs> next week. Because now, now I want to know uh, the behind the scenes of Jay Washington's life as a bouncer. But first, we got to talk a little bit about the behind the scenes over at Disney Plus because. 
stuff is expensive over there, especially these Marvel shows. So as we broke it down earlier in the show, there's a report out there that says three of the shows, the titles listed are The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision and Hawkeye, cost as much as $25 million per episode, which makes Hawkeye cost them $200 million. Based on what we've heard about the Disney Plus Marvel shows so far and what their intentions are with them, does that price tag surprise you? Yes and no, because of like we were talking about before we went on air, the price that these actors get for the films. So then you're doing mini, you're doing a mini movie into a series. But my biggest issue with that is how do you recoup this money? Like you don't have a box office. Like they always go off the box office with regular Marvel films. So once it makes a seven hundred million, a billion dollars, whatever the case may be, they know like okay, we recoup some money. How do you recoup it in this? Do you do the whole subscriptions thing or what? But I also think it's incentive because they need to make this so good. They need to make it cinematic quality. There's a lot riding on it. There's a lot of original stuff coming up with Disney Plus, but this is Marvel is their thing. That's why a lot of people are going to subscribe. So it's an investment. It's also an investment into the films, if you think about it, because it kind of continues the whole story. I guess so. I think I'm, I'm ready for the time to come when I understand where these streaming services are making their money. Because I think Disney is the exception in that these shows will feed into their box office returns right. ultimately. But even when we bring up a Netflix, like where is the value in spending all of this? Because are you actually bringing in new subscribers? Is that how you decide whether something is a success? Well, I think you will with this one when you're talking about the Hawkeye series because you're doing Kate Bishop. You have all the comic book fans who want to see where the story goes further. So also you have Jeremy Renner, who we wanted more of. We didn't get much of in Infinity War and Endgame. We did get the sad scene, him watching Scarlett Johansson die. Spoiler alert, if you ain't seen Endgame by now. But <laughs> don't understand some people. But somebody's gonna get mad. They're gonna be like, "There's gonna be one person that's mad that hasn't seen any game." You'd be like, "It came out in April." I feel like there's been so much spoiler content on this uh, channel yeah. at this point that you are in the clear. I think you're Iron good. Man dies. Uh, <laughs> but you you have that story, and people have wanted to see more with Jeremy Renner. And so I guess that's how you bring more people in with that. And again, if it takes Kate Bishop going forward as the new Hawkeye and then sees where she can go, maybe the Young Avengers, West Coast Avengers, or even the regular Avengers, you have that, like you said, feeding into the movies. So that brings more people in and again to the box office later. But that number is also you have to think about because we've heard that actors, it's not like Robert Downey Jr. who made like 20 up front and then 75 or whatever he was making on the back end. They're paying everybody, I guess, because it's streaming and that's the way things are going. They're paying everybody up front. So I'm wondering, like, it makes me go, hmm, how much was Renner getting of that $200 million budget? How much is he getting? He has to balance out his his app and his record sales that weren't balancing out, so he needs all that money back. (laughs) Sorry, Jeremy. So why do all of these shows have to cost $25 million an episode? I mean, maybe this they're movies. Well, I, I just mean more so, you know, like we, we've got Hawkeye, which I've come to respect Hawkeye as he has grown throughout the MCU, but, but he is a man with a bow and arrow, whereas, let's say, WandaVision is. WandaVision has, has uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision has got a different set of powers that might cost a visual effects department a different amount of money. That makes me question the story then. Where are they going with the story? Yeah. Is there going to be de-aging? What's happening is like, it makes you think it's not just the renter's salary, but it actually, the budget actually makes me excited. It makes me think that it's, it's going to have that same cinematic quality and they're not and, cheaping out on it. And it's going to be a bow and arrow. 
<laughs> it's going to be a really cool. Really cool. Or they, we may now if I not if I remember remember correctly, it was something about hearing some of his time as Ronan that we did not see on top of everything with Kate Bishop going forward. So again, six episode, eight episodes. That's eight hours worth of Hawkeye. So that's a yeah. lot of Jeremy Renner total on screen and more than he's been in all of the movies combined. When you think about it. If, even if he's not in all eight hours, it is more than you have seen total in the entire MCU with Jeremy Renner. You could probably apply that statement to almost anyone yeah. who didn't have their own movie, now that you think about yep. it. Anybody I mean, yeah. even, even when I think about, let's say, Winter Soldier, who Falcon. had a huge, huge role in a couple of the, mm-hmm. the cat movies, it still probably doesn't amount to even the how many hours. Okay, somebody needs to now go and do clock in oh, Renner's stream time in all the movies. There has to be like an infographic out yeah. there somewhere that shows everybody's screen time. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's what it is now. It's like because these people didn't have their own individual films. Granted, yes, Falcon was a made part and Winter Soldier parts of Civil War, Captain America Civil War and going forward. But Hawkeye was a minimal part of the films. He wasn't that much of a major issue. I mean, the Avengers, when you first really got him, you're like, all right, you were hypnotized by Loki. Okay, cool. He was in Thor, but nobody really remembers that. Nobody really remembers that. Then you don't get him again until Age of Ultron, where he tells us he has a bow and arrow. And we're like, yeah, dude, we know. (laughs) We got it. Then you get him in Civil War, just a bit. You get him in, you don't get him in Infinity War at all. You get him an end game for about maybe total 10, 15 minutes on screen. If you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, you have Jeremy Renner on screen for about 10, 15, maybe 20 at the most. Which is the exciting thing about these series. If they're not going to put the resources behind making a full feature for some of these characters, well, I'm, I'm glad we're getting this. It's just yeah. the, the business side of my brain does not compute. It's... It's like there has to be there has to be a ceiling, you know, where pumping so much money in and pumping that much product out where where you stop seeing the returns. Because when you think think about the lineup of Disney Plus series of all the ones that have been announced, which one do you think is going to be the most beneficial to Disney and the MCU? And, and for a variety of reasons, whether we're talking about bringing in Disney Plus subscribers or ensuring that somebody prioritizes the MCU because of these series at the box office. More than likely, I, and this is going to be weird for me saying this. No, Nick, say it. Go. WandaVision. Really? Because WandaVision has a direct connection to Doctor Strange, too. Mm-hmm, true. I think just general interest, Loki, for me. It's just in a, in a general yeah. sense. Like, he's the most fascinating character to me. And what he's doing messing with history. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm going to watch every single one of them, but I think I'd have to go with WandaVision at this point. And be, because of the tie, yep. because of the tie and because those are two characters that I've always wanted to see more of. And I want to see my homegirl, Tiana Paris, in it. So, like, okay, I that's, good. Some- that's a good reason. But too. when you look at like I'm, I was like looking at what other shows cost, like Game of Thrones, the last season was 15 million. And you got to figure each episode is 15 million. Season? No, each episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is 25, and I'm sure those actors are paid well, but they're not nearly paid as well as MCU actors. So, but like that, that actually kind of like in, reinforces my question, though, because when it came to HBO and Game of Thrones, that that was like 
the ultimate for them. That was the major, you know, weekly viewing experience. There was nothing else like it. It was really at the the peak of HBO. Whereas when you think about Disney Plus and uh, all of the Disney theatrical, they have they have so much. So I can't quantify what one of these series would mean for that whole operation. Right. It's it's hard. I mean, again, when we look at it, you can't really say one. I will say, like I said, I said the WandaVision because of what it goes directly into a movie. We know exactly what it goes into. And you need you had some people who didn't like Doctor Strange one. It's just what it is. But that's now, not possible. There are some people How who do not possible? like it. There are some who did not <laughs> so like it. I would favorite. suggest if I'm you don't like if you it. don't like Doctor Strange, that's totally fine. But if you don't like Doctor Strange and you've only seen it once, I would urge someone to rewatch it. Yes. Yeah. But now and you it have holds all, up. Yeah. It definitely it absolutely very well. does. But you have all of these movies that go into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe, unlike the Netflix shows, which were supposed to at first. But then that changed completely mm-hmm. thanks to Jeff Loeb and them. So now you have something different. So here's a question to, to maybe throw a little wrench into the WandaVision uh, question here. Think about all the MCU movies that we've got and which ones don't make as much money as the others. And my mind immediately goes to something like Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. which is maybe a low-priority viewing opportunity for the MCU but that particular movie also had real key information that we right, needed in right. Endgame yet still that didn't bring it to the same levels as some of the other I'll entries. give you another movie if you want to go there Thor the Dark World they're known in the MCU for making two hour plot devices they're known for doing this and they have a return they don't have the major returns but they have a return nonetheless and so you have these movies that are coming out some people are like why do i want to see this case in point the eternals we've talked about that numerous times where it is literally meant to be just a jump off point to bring mutants into the mcu it's a two-hour plot device but marvel has had a formula that works that no matter what they'll still generate at minimum four or five hundred million dollars at minimum and so it works. So when you keep doing that and you have that formula that works and now, you know, you take these small subsidiaries and these streaming shows that bring into the box office, it's still yeah. a winning game. Of play. course. I mean, you look at what they made, you know, they made like uh, something like $800 million profit on Infinity War. Just that alone. And they're mm-hmm. investing $1 billion total into Disney+. Plus. So when you look at it that way and how much they're making and if, how much they've made since the beginning of the MCU... I mean, it, it is a small amount. They take the profit from one. They took We're the just, profit. I'm just thinking it from my salary point of view. That's why it's so <laughs> well, wicked. Yeah. But when you sometimes really- my mind, and I, I have to stop myself from doing this because it's apples and oranges type thing. But sometimes I think like, oh, you're spending 200 million on a Hawkeye series. That could be 200 different indie movies. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's hard right. to completely like right. push that out of my mind. Right. Yeah, you're talking about the MCU, and like you just said, if they made 800 million off Infinity War. Infinity War, not even Captain Marvel or anything else. You just took the profit from one movie to finance your entire streaming, to finance a streaming thing. Just one. I still can't believe the streaming service is so close now. I can't wait to actually not oh, just I know. to be theorizing about what it's going to mean and actually be knee deep in at, at this point. Because so are you more it's excited about for the Marvel stuff or for Mandalorian? So here's what this is going to catch some heat. I want to see Mandalorian. But because Marvel has a bigger thing, I don't know how far Mandalorian will go connecting right. it to the next set of the trilogy, but we know what the Marvel streaming shows are going to do going for the MCU. I think I'm more excited for Mandalorian because it's coming so much sooner. Like, yeah. it, it's right around the corner. I've seen material from it, so I know, like, the elements that I'm already excited right. to see fleshed out more, whereas these just feel like, like ideas, ideas at this point. 
So yeah, and how fleshed out are those ideas? That's the big question. We're going to find out. Uh, We're going to find out about all this soon enough because time flies, and that's scary. All right, let's go to story number two, which is the uh, new Robert Eggers movie. First, let's get a lay of the land at the table. Oh boy, who who has seen The Witch and or The Lighthouse, and how do you feel about them? I saw The Witch a while ago. And I kind of was like iffy on it. I don't remember too much, but I remember watching it going, okay, all right. <laughs> because I, I watched a lot of movies that I normally would not watch for here. So I could be able to say, eventually, we'll talk about these. And then when I watch it, I'm like, we hopefully won't talk about this. And so that's, and here we are. And here, and here we are. Like, okay, yeah. so we've got, we've got a yeah. witch. Disclaimer, I'm not a huge horror movie fan or like disturb let's call it disturbing movie fan. <laughs> like there's certain movies that like the the gore horror I can do, but when it's just like eerie. So the witch, I could only do a part of it. I only saw a part of it, I'm being honest, I didn't watch the whole thing. So does the now, eerie stuff keep you up at night? Is that what you're trying to avoid? Does it keep me it keeps yeah. me up at night and it just there's certain places my brain like, just doesn't want to go like, black philip is lurking, lurking around the corner that kind of thing no it just disturbs my brain too okay. much like, it, just, it just seeps into the subconscious in a way to figure that out whether or not I'm, the I'm, lighthouse the lighthouse is safe viewing for you just because like are you going to be afraid that know. you're going to stumble upon a lighthouse and wind no, up in it's a similar more, situation it's more the concepts yeah like, the concepts okay. and the people like the madness that sort of like don't don't watch uh, the lighthouse that's what I'm saying. Like Suspiria, we were maybe, talking about this before. Suspiria, I had to shut my eyes through half of it. I'm okay. just very sensitive to that kind of thing. This is so why like, I have anxiety pills so I can sleep, so I got to deal with none of that. But then weirdly, some other ones, people will say, oh, don't watch it. And then I watch it and I love it. And it doesn't bother me. I can't really pinpoint exactly what it is. So if it's that descent into madness, yeah. if, that, if it's that <laughs> descent into is. madness, maybe you should just cross Eggers off your list entirely. Except two of my favorite actors are reteaming for this. This is quite the, I yeah. mean, you got Nicole Kidman, two scars guards and right. Taylor joy. And then maybe Willem Dafoe as well. It's like the Eggers all-star team plus additional excellent right. actors. Right. That, that is a hell of a Did you say of- excellent? Did I? I think so. I love it. Can we make that a thing? (laughs) Can that be my pull? I'll give it to you right now, A24, if you want it. Excellent. On the Lighthouse poster, please. You're amused. You know you are. I I would have seen the Lighthouse, but I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Like, I haven't gotten an invite. But I'm actually going to go see that. Because that's the thing. If I I don't see it... it comes out limited very, very soon. Does it? Because if I don't see it... Like at a screening, and I have the opportunity at home to turn it off. I will. So if I sit in a theater, and it's to- no, it's respectable <laughs> if you don't. If you're not it's, into that kind of it's stuff, just, it, yeah. it's a, like a safety button, the stop button. Yes, exactly. I love it when it comes time for Perry to talk about horror movies because she's like, "Listen, you really need to take the chance on this one. Like, if it's <laughs> horror movie, no, because if it's horror, you're all we know you love horror films, and I have nothing. I love horror, but it's like, listen, this might be a suspenseful one. This might be a thriller. This might just scare you just a wee bit. <laughs> I and- also feel guilty about everything so I would never just push someone into something that might really freak them out. So and there's level of like disturbing compare that to Midsommar. Compare the lighthouse. Compare the lighthouse. See see but like my brain and what freaks me out okay. I think might not be in like if it's again the ma- the madness thing yeah. I would say that the lighthouse is scarier than Midsommar. Okay. But 
I don't know. I like neither of them really kept me up at night. I, w- I wasn't really, really thinking to the point that I'm afraid I'll ever find myself in this situation or even just like what happens to someone's brain when they're isolated. Like, I don't know. I don't carry it with me. Okay. It's a weird I thing. Do. I do. So given how you feel about horror movies and <laughs> Robert Eggers movies, does this ensemble and this core concept give you any urgency to see this movie? One thousand percent. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I get to see two stars guards play as Vikings. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's you hear that cast, and like this is the thing. I'm a huge Big, Big Little Lies fan, and just like whether or not you like that kind of show or is fine, but the two of them together, Skarsgård and Nicole. Their chemistry is very rare and great, Mm -hmm. and they have such a trust built Mm -hmm. up, and you know that it's going to be dark, and you know they're going to go to some dark places. That is what I'm going to be interested to see, that relationship. I think I'm also really interested to see how he shoots the movie, just because we know uh, there's very specific style in Lighthouse, the black and white thing, Mm -hmm. amongst other uh, qualities that it has. So I'm just curious to know if he's going to stick with something like that, go back to maybe slightly more traditional photography in The Witch, I want to know what he's got cooked up on the tech side, too. Yeah, and 16th century Viking just sounds like something. 10th century. 10th century, yes. sorry, yeah. Like so that. Iceland. Right. I love no, Iceland. Sounds- I don't know if I love 10th century Iceland, but I just like Iceland. I just was going to say to get to see Alexander Skarsgård basically look like Tarzan again. That's all they with the long hair and everything. Now you I just feel grow- like it's a oh, little cold true. for that, he- no? I mean, he grows out. Not he keeps clothes on. Okay, well, he'll have the he'll have a beard. He'll have a beard, but Probably. he'll have the hair. He looked like tar- Tarzan. Just nobody refined him. That's what it'll look like in this. Okay. <laughs> well, now that with we solidified that, is anybody more eager to see this movie? I'm all about seeing Vikings and movies. Anyway, I just yeah. want to see the violence behind it. And if there's a good story, let's do it. All right. Wait, wait. Really briefly. Given how you guys feel about horror movies, Halloween is right around the corner. What do you consider essential Halloween viewing? Well, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Okay. I mean, I'm not the connoisseur, but I liked more like classic like Blair Witch, kind of like that kind of thing. Or Hellraiser 2. Wait. I know. You like the snuff? I, I would say there's a lot of similar qualities in Blair Witch as, as uh, you know, like the isolation factor in Lighthouse and the Witch. But there's not the madness. Like, yes, there's there not is. The, there but is the, the characters oh. themselves, they're subjected to a lot, but they themselves aren't questionable. I guess... I can't really, that's what I'm saying. I can't really put my finger yeah. on what it is that will disturb huh. me about something until it happens. I need to, I need to brainstorm more, but I'm going to recommend you a horror movie and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to find the perfect like spot, the perfect type, the perfect subgenre with <laughs> I love horror. this. I'm like a, I'm de- a I'm subject of. It's just, it's fascinating to me that like the witch was a no-no, but the Blair right. witch is okay. But then weirdly, like people who know my sensibilities were like, oh, you're not going to like Joker. You're not going to like Joker. And I ended up, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Huh. So there's sort of like, I don't know. Joker's not a horror but movie. But it's not a horror movie, but yeah. that kind of knowing that that sort of dark. Oh, that dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get back to this. <laughs> All right. But first, before we do that, we've got some cool stuff coming your way on the Collider Video YouTube channel like this. Hi, I'm Koi Jandro, host of Collider oh Heroes, God. and I'm here to tell you we've got 20-minute episodes coming at you on Collider Video, on the YouTube, as you've always loved it. Plus, now we've got hour-long podcasts dropping every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast because it's going to get even more sweaty on the podcast. Plus, every week we're going to try to get some very special guest interviews, all of the people that help shape these movies and TV shows you love. So, video, podcast, interviews all coming at you. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Stay sweaty.
All right. So after all the earlier debate we had this summer about whether or not The Lion King is an animated movie, a live action movie, I don't even know. Now it's a done deal. It's not part of the best animated feature category. When you guys saw that list and saw that Lion King was not on it, did it surprise you? Nope. Because now there's a bunch of people going, I told you. I told you it wasn't animated. And plus, I don't, I'm not surprised because Disney wants to push success movies. And this critically was not a success. They do have a lot of movies right now that are going to require extensive Oscar pushes. So I feel like I feel like that might have been, you know, what took the movie off that list, mm-hmm. but it still it still does beg the question where does a movie where does like it fit? Because even yeah. though Lion King didn't meet expectations to the point to warrant an Academy Award push, mm-hmm. like we're still going to wind up with the same question in the very near future. Well, because it's this, you mean you have Jungle Book? You know, all those different type of films that do this. That but Jungle just, Book's different. Because Jungle, Jungle Book's ha- had uh, the live action character. It had a live action character, yeah. But this, I guess, we were talking about it. Visual effects is like the only place it falls in line because it's not an animated movie, it's a CGI film. Like, there's nothing about this that says it's animated. There's CG, there's CG animated films, though. It's I a, actually looked up the te- technical like, yes. definition of an animated movie, and it, it, I don't still know if it falls into that category or not. It's still sort of a little bit of a gray area, but that's that? because that's, I can pull it up if you guys. Yeah, do. no, yeah. We're, we'll keep talking. I'm very curious yeah. to know what the actual definition is, because when it comes to this version of The Lion King, there is only one live action shot. It's, right. Like, I don't know the rules, and I don't want to piss off anybody like in a union or anything like that, but... Isn't it just another form of animation? animation. And yeah. I think that could be where it falls in line. But I think when everyone hears animation, we want it's one specific thing our brain thinks of. If anything, I think the gray area is when we're talking about performance capture, where it's the melding of digital work with a physical right. performance. Well, yeah, with okay, physical so I have it. So animated films are ones in which individual drawings, paintings, or illustrations are photographed frame by frame. With stop frame cinematography, usually each frame differs slightly from the one preceding it, giving the illusion of movement when frames are projected in rapid succession at 24 frames per second. Well, that's a very classic definition yeah. of animation. Um, see, because oh, you can consider the same thing with Lion King, like when they're drawn, because they have to draw it out a it's little bit. It's a different form of drawing. It's a drawing. different form. It's a different form of drawing. It. It's the first of its kind, so, you know. Yeah, I think that's you- the thing. It's the first of its kind. And so now... When we they're doing other ones like this, and so I guess you have to see where the next ones fall. Hmm. I'm just waiting for this. I so I understand why this isn't in the award season conversation. Mm-hmm. I almost wish it was though, just so we can continue having this conversation, and that's so people in the industry could be weighing in on it. A well, little remember more. when it first came out, and they were saying it was at, it was a live action animated. And some people were like, it's live action. It was like, it's animated. Everybody's like, what? When it's the first time we saw the trailer, there was so much divide on what this is. Mm-hmm. And people were like, it can't be live action because these aren't real animals. If anything, to me, it's live action does not equal photo real. Yes, because at times those lions right. do not look real at all. Well. Because <laughs> there's times where Simba's face is just like, no one decided to add emotion to that scene. So you just answered my question. If it was eligible or if it was running would you put it in would you give it a nomination for best animated no no N- not with 
not with what's on this list already. And also what's on this list that I haven't seen because every year it's like, we know the likely ones. Like we know Toy Story 4 and Frozen 2 are likely yeah. going to get nominations. Maybe but even How to Train Your Dragon. You how to Train know, Your Dragon. Yeah. But there's always that, you know, that, that outlier, something that wasn't part of a big studio that winds up getting a nomination. And usually I'm pleasantly surprised by those. It's like, I keep thinking of my life as a zucchini and I was so happy that I right. wound up watching that. It was great. But it wouldn't have been on my radar whatsoever unless right. it had gotten that nomination. If you guys had to pick one thing on this list to give the award to right now, what would it be? I would pick Abominable. I really liked Abominable. Oh, I thought Abominable it was a too. really, un, like, it, not even underrated. I think it got, you know, it was well received. But I think it was very original. I mean, I really, obviously, Toy Story 4, I really liked. In terms of achievement, I think mm-hmm. that was probably the highest. Frozen 2, I haven't seen yet. That's probably going to be up there. But I thought Abominable was such a nice surprise. So you would give it to Abominable, but what if you had to place your bets right now? What do you think is the most likely to actually win? Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4? Yeah. I think I'm going Frozen 2. Are you? I don't know. I like a lot of faith in that. Yeah. And being in the room for the D- the D23 presentation yeah. was... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's not like I forgot how special Frozen was, but seeing them all come on stage and hearing the new song, it's just like we were talking about that earlier. And I think that's part of Elton John's quotes recently, yes. where the songs from this new rendition of The Lion King didn't kind of permeate pop culture quite like the original mm-hmm. ones did. And when I think about that one Frozen 2 song that I heard there, th- like that's... That's the new Let It Go. People are going to be singing that nonstop. I was whistling it for God knows how long after D23. Yeah, because nobody's singing Beyonce's song from The Lion King. Nobody even remembers that song. Because it was a transitional song. I could not believe that that's where they put (laughs) her special song. That or Can You Feel the Love Tonight in the Daytime. I just love that Elton John is so outspoken. Yeah. And that he's saying what he really feels because we are in an age of, you know, celebrities being very careful with saying things, especially about other celebrities. And and I, the fact that he's just like, I'm 72. I'm just saying I'm what, say I what I feel. Yeah, but just, he was right in the sense that I remember seeing The Lion King and the music just like searing into me and just being such an emotional moment. And you so associate that song with that movie. They go hand in mm-hmm. hand. And this was just, it didn't. Here's, in case you guys missed the quotes, here's what he told uh, British GQ. He said, The new version of The Lion King was a huge disappointment to me because I believe they messed up the they messed the music up. Music was so much a part of the original and the music in the current film didn't have the same impact. The magic and joy were lost. The soundtrack hasn't had nearly the same impact in the charts that it had 25 years ago when it was the best selling album of the year. The new soundtrack fell out of the charts so quickly despite the massive box office success. But how could it if it's also not original songs like with Frozen? What you're saying is, is what they've decided to do is they've decided to create new songs yep. that you haven't heard before where they didn't really do that with the Well, Lion maybe King. they should have taken that opportunity to do a little something different because think about how many cover songs, you know, hit it big on the charts. Yeah. Especially yeah. when it's Beyonce. And then on top of that, we had to hear <laughs> Billy Eiser and Seth Rogen do Hakuna Matata. Oh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was goofy. It was goofy, but it wasn't the way, you know, it was fun to hear, but it wasn't as pleasant as the original Hakuna Matata when you heard it. No. Because when you hear was... the original, you're like, Hakuna Matata. You just get to do all that. This one, you were like, this is fun. When well, I think of Hakuna Matata, I think of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> means no worries. I kind of like that. Thinking about Aladdin, though, it's not like any of those songs cracked the charts. Yeah, because nobody was caring right. about Will Smith. <laughs> you had never had a friend. 
actually like that too, though. I mean, I love Will Smith. Well, no, no, he makes some songs. Will Smith will make songs so likable that'll they're likable because again, everybody knows when Men in Black comes on the original. Here come the men. No matter what you do, stuff, but it's not many people who are doing that to the songs that were sung in Aladdin. Can you do some get jiggy with it? Na 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 That's all I do is the chorus. I know when I hear it, I know all the lyrics, which is crazy. I hate that. Like when I know the lyrics and when I hear the song, I can sing the whole thing with it. But we're gonna act like I never said that. But yeah, nobody is really doing the Aladdin songs when Aladdin was known for the songs. True. You know, that's another one. No one is really going for the songs in that. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's something to rethink because I feel like you could still have the structure of these animated classics and then maybe break through by spicing up by by treating it more as a cover instead of just, you know, another right. rendition of the same exact thing. Also, I still like to say when it comes to Beyonce and the Lion King, I said this before and I will say it again. I am mad we did not get the perfect moment for Beyonce to tell all the lionesses to get in formation like she had them. Like, why could you out of all things you should have knowledge say at that moment since you got Beyonce Say formation, have Beyonce put it in the contract. This way, everybody goes and get lemonade. Bam, more record sales. I'm you, sorry, marketing genius. I, I enjoy like all the specific, uh, you know, nitpicks you have of the line. Because King. I was watching, I was like, y'all could have did this. Yeah. Like I love John Oliver as Zazu. I loved him as he was perfect as Zazu. But you know, James Earl Jones, y'all could have just voice dubbed the original. Because I understand you want to have him in this. But it didn't sound as powerful as it did 25 years ago. You could have taken his exact voice, does paid him for it because he would have been paid the same as James Earl Jones. But he was with scars that a challenge. It didn't sound the same as it did in the animated movie. That was just me. Is Lion King your favorite Disney classic animated movie? You know how many times when I was a kid, when I heard, no, I jumped up like the giraffes. Okay. (laughs) Look, I have a child that I've played that for to make her sit down. So, yes. I can tell. I like that. From my heart. (laughs) All right. We got to save some time for live chat questions because... There's a particular news story out there that you might notice we didn't get to today because we're going to have that conversation with uh, Jeff Snyder tomorrow, and he's got some interesting insight there. But we do have a question about it, so we got to bring it up. Steve Calderon is asking, since Jonah Hill is no longer in talks for the Batman, could this be a good time for Marvel to offer him a role in the MCU? Let's answer oh that boy. question first, but I want to get your take on Jonah Hill opting out of the Batman. Huh, what hero could he play? that? Because I don't want to see Jonah Hill try to be serious in the MCU or villain. I, can't, I don't think I can see him as a villain. I would like to see him as somebody, but I don't know if it would be a hero either. Like, who would you put him as? Ugh. Ugh. He'd have to be a character they just decide to use or something. Somebody they make up. That's a like small mm-hmm, role, mm-hmm. like they did with Cat Deering's and and Thor. Like put him in do, Thor four. Put him in Thor four. Yeah. Put him in Thor four. Okay. Make him an Asgardian. A new Asgardian. Oh, I like that. That's make him yeah, a new Asgardian. Yeah, yeah. Put him in Thor four. A comedic Asgardian. A comedic Asgardian. Yeah. I, and Taika Waititi would know perfectly what to do with him. I'm having a hard time with this. Not that I don't mm-hmm. think Jonah Hill is a good actor, because I know he is. It's just I'm, I'm having a really hard time picturing, picturing him mm-hmm. in the MCU for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Yeah, I don't really, nothing jumps out except that that kind of works, because Thor's going to be comedic. And yeah. I don't He's know. done things that aren't comedic. Yeah. It, it's just, I guess my mind is just like forcing him in that direction, because yeah. one, one of the first series that came to my mind was Ant-Man. It's like I could see him going back and forth with Paul Rudd about or something. Or back and forth with Louise telling stories. 
Like, you know how Louise tells the whole recap stories? Like, you can have Jonah yeah. Hill tell his version of a recap, too. I think that would be... Now I'm picturing, like, the, the Zombieland 2 doppelganger version yes. of that. Yes. <laughs> Where Louise meets himself. <laughs> All right, what do you think now of Jonah Hill uh, taking a pass on this? So you bummed? Mm, no. Not really. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Not really. I mean, okay. it was interesting to hear it. Yeah, it was interesting to hear it. I feel like it was it was very on the nose casting. Yes. But also was he playing Penguin or the Riddler? That was the whole question. And was it that he wanted to do they wanted him for Penguin and he wanted to do Riddler? Was it money? Who knows what it was? But I just think and we were talking about this before, like it's not like the old days of typecasting where they have to exactly look like the comic characters or whatever. There's so much range now and there's mm-hmm. so many actors mm-hmm. that could now potentially play both these roles that I just sort of my I'm kind of excited at the prospect, to be honest. I was excited to hear that he was possibly in the mix, whether it was for the Riddler or the Penguin. So I was a little disappointed to see that headline. But also looking at the cast they're starting to put together right now and knowing how many great options there are out there. Now I'm yeah. just excited to see who's next. Exactly. But, yeah. The thing was, if he did Riddler, it takes Nicholas Holt out of running because we all kept saying we wanted Nicholas Holt to do it. Because remember, Nicholas Holt is so underrated. Yeah, because remember, he, he screen tested attention. with Robert Pattinson for the, bat, for the role of Bruce Wayne Batman. And so it was always that rumor that if you screen test and you don't get it you more than likely become the opposite of that so nicholas holt is the riddler jonah hill is the penguin could have sounded great but at the same time like you just said what if he wanted a lot more money than they were willing to give him to add a little to that this is from the uh the collider.com article that jeff wrote uh he wrote it's unclear why hill passed on the batman after engaging with warner brothers for the last several months initial reports claimed that hill had asked for 10 million dollars more than twice what the studio is reportedly paying pattinson to don the cape and cal so it's a so it's possible that his decision came down to money, though it's also possible it came down to the role. Multiple sources have told Collider that Hill was in talks to play the Riddler, as Reeves is said to have approached at least one other actor for the somewhat smaller role of the Penguin. Shortly after posting, we were told that the role was a sticking point in the negotiations as Hill had hoped to play the Penguin when things didn't work out for this other actor. A separate individual reached out to say we had it backwards, that Reeves wanted to cast Hill as the Penguin, but Hill wanted to play the Riddler, who is said to be the primary villain in the That's script. That's my so, guess. Uh, messy situation guess. right there. Because I think he didn't, did not want to play the Penguin. Yeah, he didn't want to play a small yeah. role. No. He, yeah, he did. He absolutely did. And I think, but is here's my question. Is it over? Is it really over? Is it going to be one of those like Spider-Man situations where all of a sudden he pops up? Over and then all of a sudden he's cast. Like you said, <laughs> this sounds like Terrence Howard, Iron Man 1. You wanted more money than the star of the movie. Because remember, that's why Terrence was replaced. He wanted more than Robert Downey Jr. And it's like you wanted $10 million to be a villain when the dude who's playing the title character is getting five or something like that. Like, come on, dude. I understand you have a worth and you're Jonah Hill. You think you're still America's sweetheart. But at the same time, this isn't your movie. This isn't about you. Yeah, you'll be a villain, but you're not the dude that the movie is about Bring it back. Do we know how much, like, Momoa's got for Aquaman? Do we know, like, approximately how much they pay their actors? See, I, that would be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious sure. to know, like, who, who sort of, like, got it's, the most. It's incredible because the knee-jerk reaction is, like, that's a lot of money, whether it's half or all of what you want. But on the flip side of it, it's it's like anyone engaging with any kind of big property on the big screen – 
I, I just try to stop and think about all the things outside the actual job of performing in the movie that come with it. So yeah. I can maybe understand why someone would push to get more on that particular project. Maybe it's a little outrageous to demand as much as he did when Pattinson is only getting however much he is, but... I don't know. I'm just trying to consider both ends of it here. And he could also, if there was going to be his character in another movie moving forward, that the, that was only for a first film. Mm-hmm. The right. T- whatever he was you asking never know. for. Yeah. Uh, one quick comment from the chat here. Chris Robinson said, I'm more interested in Jonah Hill directing more. Mid-90s right. was in my top 10 last year. Did you guys like mid-90s? I didn't I, see it. I, I did it. like it. Uh, yeah. Highly recommended. Okay. I thought it was great. That could be part of it, is that he's moving more into directing. He's like, look, mm-hmm. I don't need to just, I don't need to be in this movie. Like, I don't need it. I'm, my focus is directing. This is where I, where I want to go. If it works, it works. But if it doesn't, I'm going to be fine. Oh my, here's some breaking news from Devin Lott. Now I'm really sad I'm not going to be in town for this. Uh, Fandango is giving a sneak preview screening of Doctor Sleep just in time for Halloween on October 30th. Fandango, I think I've heard of them. Who are they? <laughs> um, hi, Fand- uh, hi, Fandango. I'd like to see that. Are you looking forward to Doctor Sleep? I didn't even know about it. This is pretty <laughs> like me. Thanks, Fandango. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I'm going to see Doctor Sleep early. Nick's gonna have some text messages or after this. Yeah, Nikki, hook us up. Yeah, we'll, we'll I could. Yeah, we'll see we're all right, going let's to get see uh, one more question here. This one comes from Oh Schmoes Collide. I haven't heard that name in a little while. Uh, which great actors do film fans need to stop denigrating their overall acting because of a certain bad performance? The easy answer is Jennifer Lawrence. Is there anyone out there that's still carrying around the negativity from one bad performance? Oh, my God. Uh, you got someone. Uh, who is it? Uh, it's going to be a minute. Go back I have to me. one. I feel like Ben Affleck still kind of gets a little bit of flack. From when he did Jeezy, that's what <laughs> yeah. Ben Affleck for Jeezy because he will never live that down. <laughs> a little bit, and he's so good, and I love watching him. So, okay, that's the only one that came to my mind. That's no, that's a good one. I feel like most of mine are less about someone giving a bad performance and more so just attaching themselves to like a piss poor film. It's like I keep thinking about Melissa McCarthy. Because she's got a whole bunch of not-so-great films on her resume, but that doesn't mean she didn't deliver exactly what she needed to in those Mm -hmm. roles. I think it's more about the things around her not really being, you know, fully... Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, how many bad films do you give an actor before you start to? Like, do you give them up one, like a pass? Or, like, how many? Because before you start to think of them in a different Well, there's so many that have lists of bad movies they've done, and they still make films. Because sometimes you you have leading men and women who, because they're bankable, Again, Samuel L. Jackson has done some of the not, most not work, you know, not really rewatchable <laughs> movies. Even though I love Formula Fifty One, I love Formula Fifty One. Snakes on a Plane was a joke, and he even knows it. So you know, just using those two, he's the opposite <gasps> of that question. He's the person that can make a bunch, he and make a bunch still saying, loves him. He can him. make a bunch, and no matter what, <laughs> no people still loves him. Love him. You know who's a good example of that? I was having this conversation with someone recently. Go look at Amanda Seyfried's uh, resume. She's got she's got some good stuff on there, and she is a very very talented actor. Yeah. She's got some crap titles on, like <laughs> re- I mean, really really bad. I think it's actually a thing where if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, most of her resume wow. is rotten. Wow, but she's still like super talented, and she's and I don't think she carries that reputation around right. at all. It's like I actually think that. What is it? A million ways to die in the West is kind of kind of long forgotten, and the same thing might be true of movie forty three as well. 
Like, remember how many hot names were in that and how it was just like nobody could stop talking about how garbage that movie was? Mm-hmm. And now who references it anymore? I'm trying to think of who else gets a bad rap. Yeah, because I'm sitting there thinking now. Who else is like they've done? You'd be like, ah, I got like, what, are, what are the uh, like the seventh sons of the world? It's weird to think that that was uh, Alicia Vikander's, one of her first big roles. See? See? And, and she's, she's fine. And she's Laura mm-hmm. She's an Academy Award winner and doing Tomb yeah, Raider 2. And doing Tomb Raider 2. Uh, Jesus, it's hard to think. Like, <sighs> It, it kind of makes me happy that we can't really think of someone right now. There's probably some so many obvious ones that I'm going to think about. Yep. <laughs> like the, the second People at home are table. going, what about this person? <laughs> I mean, you could think about like R.A.P.D. with Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. But, yeah, because uh, R.I.P.D. Green Lantern. Green Lantern, yeah. Green Lantern is a complete. Remember when he stepped into Deadpool? Everybody was like Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. Green Lantern. Uh. <laughs> How about a tricky one? Yeah, I know. Do you want more time to think about it, or do we want to flip it around? Does Taylor Kitsch have anything bad, bad, anything bad uh-huh. beside me and Wolf? Beside me and excuse me, Gambit and X Men Origins Wolverine and John Car- John Carter from be, Mars. I think that might be a really good example, actually, because Taylor I Kitsch. feel like uh, John Carter still follows him, and it's not like he was on the cusp. I think of having like a major breakout career, Until John and, Carter, and John Mars. Carter kind of extinguished all that. I thought of somebody, but I don't know if it fits into the category. Gerard Butler. (laughs) Gerard Butler did come to mind as I was reading the question, but the magic of Gerard Butler is that he, in this process of making some, you know, maybe not so beloved movies, has carved out the perfect place in the industry for him. It's like he makes movies nonstop, and whether you like them or not, there is a big audience for Uh it. Statham is the same. He's made some movies that aren't as great, but people still love him. He's kind of like that person that that's why statham jumped into the expendables franchise real quick was like can i go wrong with every other action hero ever not really all right <laughs> i feel like we wrapped up this negative question on a positive note it. job well done guys How, how's the coffee feeling is everyone Very everyone cold, buzzing at this point yeah. i'm i'm Jittery. i am wide awake i have seen <laughs> jay is gonna fly out of this i've room. seen the multiverse during this whole episode <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for spending your Thursday morning with me. To Adam in the booth, Thad in the live chat, thank you so much for your help. Do not leave this episode of Movie Talk without liking and sharing it. Tell everybody you know about the show, too. That would be greatly appreciated, as would heading on over to Collider Live. They kick things off at 10 a.m. Pacific. Check them out and then come back to Movie Talk tomorrow, 9 a.m. PT, for a brand new episode. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. 
And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.